You are listening to a group of protesters in Portland, Oregon, singing. These are all mothers. They've created a a spontaneous group called Wall of Moms, and they are there blocking the street. They are there at the federal courthouse uh, to uh, help protect the protesters, forming a wall between the secret police and, and the people dressed in combat uniforms with live ammunition at their disposal. They're trying to protect these young kids who are mostly young teenagers and young adults protesting. And the moms decided to lock arms and form a wall between the police and these kids. And it didn't matter because the, the police and these uh, shock troops brutalized these mothers anyway. And that is why you are listening to part two of our emergency podcast system episode called Donald Trump's Police State. This is part two. I am Michael Moore. The emergency podcast system is part of our main podcast, Rumble with Michael Moore. But we do these uh, when things happen where we just cannot wait. We need to get this episode out, and we need to ask you to please listen to what's being said and to please consider taking some uh, form of action. So part one uh, was yesterday. Our guest was a 17-year-old journalist who has been documenting what's been going on in Portland for the past 56 days. His name was Garrison Davis. If you haven't heard that, go to, go to part one. You can, you can, these are not in order. You can listen to them out of order. It's just so urgent and we didn't want to waste any time over these few days. There will be another one tomorrow from the streets of Portland, hearing the voices of the people of Portland in terms of what's going on with Trump's attempt in one city to use the apparatus of a police state to quell dissent. And this is the moment, folks. We've been worried about this for the last four years, that this moment would come. And it's happening, and it's happening because of Trump's desperation, because he can read the poll numbers. He knows his ass is grass, and this is his moment to get ready to pack his bags. And he has no intention of doing that. And this is where we find ourselves, and this is why he has announced that now he's going to send these troops into other cities, Albuquerque, Chicago, Detroit, New York, Baltimore. He's got a list. This is going to be coming to a place near you, and it's why we need to support the people in Portland, and we need to act on this right now. So in this episode here in part two of Donald Trump's uh, police state here on Rumble, we're going to hear from the ringleader of what I believe is maybe the most unique new political organization in America, just formed this week. Beverly Barnum, she is not a political activist or a civil rights leader. As a matter of fact, she had never been to a demonstration in her life up until these past few days. She's a self-described average suburban mother who was so shocked and outraged by what she saw happening in her adopted hometown of Portland, that she just went on Facebook and created an event, an event page, calling for other mothers in Portland to join her in the streets. And thus began the organization called the Wall of Moms. Last night, I want to mention too that we started a GoFundMe page called the Rumble Legal Defense Fund for American Dissidents. And I want to thank all of you who contributed 
here in just the first few hours. Uh, we set, we've set a goal of $50,000. This is a legal defense fund. 100% of the money is going to go to people who are arrested at these demonstrations, who need help, who need bail money. It'll go to the, especially to the groups that we've identified, that we've vetted, that are helping provide legal assistance and other matters so that people do not languish in jail who are not further abused by the police by the jailers, by the criminal justice system. And, you know, I, I had this idea a couple of weeks ago when Trump said, if you, if you pull down a Confederate statue, you're going to prison for 10 years. And I just thought, what? Not in my country. I don't know where you're talking about, Trump. Not here. And so the initial part of this idea was to let anybody know who's arrested for taking down one of these racist statues while I am not instructing you to break the law. <clears throat> I am here to say that I'm here for you so that you don't have to suffer because you went and risked your life to do something that was important in the moment that we're in to not allow this bullshit to continue. And I'm grateful to any of you who've been out there doing that. Can't thank you enough. It's a small token of my appreciation to help set up this legal defense fund and to ask the listeners of Rumble, you, the rest of you, all of you, to please contribute to this. Give what you can. Uh, there's a link right here on the uh, platform page for this podcast. Click on the link. Uh, it's very simple. It's a GoFundMe page. And give what you can to the Rumble Legal Defense Fund for American dissidents. And uh, let's let's help everybody who's you know been putting themselves on the line. And we will link up with other other funds and other groups that have started, uh, we'll support them. We'll write checks and make grants or whatever to anybody who's doing uh, the good work to help those who are out there in the streets. Again, 100% of everything you can, there's no, not going to be any administration fee. Nobody's getting paid. This is an all volunteer thing so that 100% of the money will go to the citizens who are being abused viciously by our federal government. We will not stand for this, and we need to, all of us, to be standing up for those who are taking that risk. So go to that later. It's the Rumble uh, Legal Defense Fund. Now, for part two here of our emergency podcast system series on Portland, our democracy at stake, and on today's episode, on part two, I'm very proud uh, to have the founder of the Wall of Moms, first-time political activist, has completely shocked the shock troops with her actions. We are with Bev Barnum. And Bev has done many things uh, over the years and but she did something this this past uh, last Saturday where, as you and we are all aware, because this is why we're focusing on Portland in this episode, we have witnessed, those of us who don't live in Portland, the President of the United States and his Attorney General sending what look like combat troops or some form of secret police or whatever to Portland to try and put down what they believe has been a two-month-long uprising since the murder of George Floyd. And I guess they've seen enough 
And uh, so they have sent in these troops who have been uh, just whisking people off the sidewalk and putting them into unmarked vans. As we learned from uh, our 17-year-old guest, uh, Garrison Davis, these, these unmarked vans essentially are rental minivans from budget, <laughs> budget rent-a-car. <laughs> yes, the laughter you hear is from our, our guest, Bev Barnum, um, who last week decided to make an appeal to moms across Portland to come out and be part of this resistance and to form a wall of moms uh, uh, that would go from one side of the street to the other, facing down these federal troops, these secret police. Bev, tell us about the wall of moms, how you got this idea, and why you would risk your lives. Because I think anytime you stand in front of heavily armed police agents, regardless who they are, you are taking a risk. And you're taking a risk on, the, on behalf of the rest of us. So what got into you? What did you do? And what happened? All right. So you actually touched on what, what my impetus was. It was that viral video of two federal officers picking up a protester and putting them in that unmarked van. I was confused when I saw it. It was 930 at night. I was getting ready for bed. I reached over to my husband and I said, would you watch this with me? It's, it's, it's weird. I don't understand. And then he gave me this look of not like terror, but like, what the? Sorry, I'm not going to cuss. But uh, after, after our brief conversation, how it seemed awful and, and maybe even illegal, I started to Google. And in my Google search, uh, in Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all of these stories popped up about how a protester was shot in the head. Uh, protesters were beaten. Um, they were using pepper spray, beanbag rounds, every, anything that you would use in war to disperse, um, I guess what you would call, you know, what's the word for, for the free? enemy. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. We're the enemy. We're, Thank the you. citizens here <laughs> and citizens of Portland are essentially the enemy. And yes. to be clear in a war, Usually both sides are firing on each other. How many protesters have fired guns at police or, or the military that has been sent in? How many bullets? None, None right? Okay, None. I just wanted to make, make that clear. None. So, so they've sent in heavily armed people in, in camouflage, in fatigues, battle fatigues, uh, to face down um, unarmed uh, uh, protesters. Um, but as president Trump said that he was sending them to Portland, he was going to start in Portland because he needs to protect, protect the Confederate mm -hmm. statues. Now I don't, <laughs> I've been to Portland a few times. I don't remember it being a big city for Confederate statues, um, nope. but he did sign this executive order that said he was going to put people in prison for 10 years. If you defaced federal property, or uh, uh, took down federal statues um, or any kind of statue that was honoring great American uh, traitors. So, um, so, so why my first thought was, okay, I, I, I know exactly. I saw, I saw the same footage you're, you saw and what your husband said to you, I had the same thought. And I'm like, this can't be happening really. Right. And, and even though we think, you know, yes, the worst can happen. We've seen the worst happen under Trump, but really, Trump, really, no, 
this isn't happening and why Portland. And of course, you know, having been there a few times, um, I'm well aware that standing up for what you think is right, being loud about it, being organized, uh, being political is part of the, of, of the, what runs through the bloodstream of Portland, Oregon. And I think, I think Trump knows that too. And I think that he knew that if he could make an example in Portland, he could really shut this thing down across the country. Oh, yeah. This is target practice. Make no mistake about it. Those, those, wow. those federal officers, they're using us as target practice. There, there is plenty of mom blood on the ground now at the Justice Center, no less. Let's just, let's just sit with that one for a second. Um, Wow! Wait a minute. You say mom blood. You mean so? Yes, you So blood. So the, you're talking about you and the other moms. Yes. Were attacked. I'm talking about, I'm talking about federal officers. Uh, one night ago, attacking moms holding the front line. Of course, of course, the the media will tell you that um, we were throwing bricks at them or water bottles, or that we took off our $130 dance goes and threw them at them. Let's just be clear. We're not going to give away our $130 dance goes. Okay. We really like our <laughs> shoes and us showing up in our Ann Taylor loft and our $3.99 Michael shirt to uh-huh. prove to you that we're not there for war. We were chanting, leave our kids alone. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they came out strong. It was, I, I can't, I felt like I was in war. Um, they, once one specific mom, she was lifted, dragged. Wow. And I yeah, didn't she, know this. I haven't seen this. She, she was um, apprehended. She was in jail for a, a whole night. She wasn't released until the next day. I think uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, she was arraigned. Um, she, she has bruising up, up and down her body. And I am so excited for her to be brave and sue the Trump administration, sue mm. the federal government. We're mm. we're not backing down. He, like I said, this is target practice, and we're moms. We know what a bully looks like, so we're in it to win it. We're going to show them what it looks like to have democracy. Why do you think these uh, shock troops targeted her in that moment? Because she was wearing a tutu. A tutu makes you look soft. Let's be wow. honest. She looked wow. innocent. Of course, you're going to go for the one in the tutu that's like 100 pounds, 5'2", and not go for the one that's 200 pounds, 5'8", wearing a, you know, fuck Trump shirt. Well, yeah, it's, sounds- it's strategic. <laughs> There's, there are cameras. They're watching us the whole time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's just strategy. That's it. Yeah. It also sounds like cowardly behavior, too. And that, it? too. By yeah, the way, yeah. who gives? these orders, Michael Moore, who's telling them to shoot moms? Where, where does this come from? I would like to know. Well, you'll find out in that lawsuit and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you, I'll put money down on this right now that uh, those orders uh, come from on top. They have a specific mission. You're right. It is strategy for them. It is target practice. You know, they announced the uh, right, you know, the other day that now it's Albuquerque is next and then Chicago uh, they want to go to Baltimore and Detroit and first Portland though, first Portland. So you put up last uh, weekend, this thing on your, was it on your Facebook or whatever you you did you, something that you said, uh, it was a call to action and to other moms to show up on Saturday night, I believe. And, and you told, 
uh, everybody to wear, just look like you, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong. You told everyone to just look like you would look as if you're going to target. Is yes. that, do I have that right? That's it. Those are my exact words. <laughs> and, well, I, yes. And you thought it. that would, that would protect you. Uh, <laughs> no, I but it's like so. Like <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Uh, you, you actually went into mom tone right there. So I instantly felt guilty and bad. I'm sorry. Uh, no, but seriously though, all my experience with Portland is the use of humor as a, as a, uh, as a weapon. It's therapy, but it's a weapon of democracy. It's a defensive weapon against the hate and the bigotry and the violence. Uh, because you stand there that well, I'll post the picture on my podcast site here. So people can see the the lineup uh, of you guys uh, as the as the wall of moms across the street. The, when you first when you got there, and how how many how many other moms joined you in that first on that first day or first night? The first one, I think it was seventy of us. Seventy uh, over. I think it was fifty to seventy of us at Shea India's protest at South Waterfront. Yeah, right. at the Salmon Street Fountain. I think it was anywhere between 50 to 70 of us. Okay. Well, that's a fuckload of moms to begin with. Right? <laughs> so I'm just, just saying uh, that's, you can look that up in the dictionary too. You could see the, uh, that's that, but okay. So there you are. And now you're face to face with this line of these secret shock troops that have been sent oh. in by Trump and Barr. And what is the look on their faces? Because this is not what they're expecting. They're expecting, you know, you know, the, some kind of anarchist group that's going to be throwing Molotov cocktails or whatever. Well, we can't see their faces. They're dressed for war. They have every, like, you know, the helmet, the goggles, the, the, that mask that allows them to breathe, even though they're throwing um, tear gas at us there. We can't see anything on them. We can't. They're, 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 they're there for war. You, they're not going to allow us to see their skin color or their eyes or their faces. One, because they know that if, if their mama saw them shooting mamas and grandmas and teachers and librarians, they would have a talking to mm. oh, and beyond mm. and beyond. Mm. I wonder how many of these men don't tell the truth. Don't, don't say what they do for a living because they're so ashamed. Of course. Right. Wow. I didn't think about that. Yes. Yes. That's very true. I can just imagine, even though you couldn't see their face, they just must have thought, what the hell? What do, we do? <laughs> what do we do with this? None of our training, whether they are actual military or whether they're Homeland Security, kids in cages type agents or whatever, none of their training has led them to this moment where they know how to deal with 70 uh, moms who look like they're going to target. <laughs> they, they don't know what to do for it. They must have. I don't think they started shooting tear gas at you right away, did they? I mean, they had to. There must yes. Have, well, no. The, the first time, Saturday night that we were out there, yes. Uh, they. By the way, they came out of all sorts of doors. I, that was my first time there, so I, I didn't really know the lay of the land. I know it well now. Uh, but they came out of a side door on the side street, and they uh, marched, walked up that side street, and then assembled in front of us. And within... I want to say within 45, not even a minute, they, they dispersed the, I think it's called a, a, a flashbang right yeah, by my right. feet. And there's flashbang video evidence grenade. of that. Yeah. And then 
the the smoke the but i didn't know what it was right like i had no idea what that was until obviously i couldn't breathe and i lost control of my bodily function my yeah it was pretty disgusting and um i was blind and i ran away so yeah it it took them a matter of minutes wow they they didn't get they didn't give two you know what they didn't there was no restraint there was they didn't even say who they were by the way they didn't even say disperse they didn't say you know this is in a lawful whatever and by the way we weren't on the sidewalk of the justice center we were on the street there is nothing unlawful about being on the street dressed in ann taylor loft dance goes chanting leave our kids alone there is nothing illegal about that and moms everywhere this is a call please become the wall of moms wherever you are la new york anywhere in the whole world please this is the call if you're a mom show up for your people if you see people getting hurt show up for them just as you would if you saw someone drowning you run into that water and you pick up the kid just as you saw someone fall off their bike you run to that person you hear a baby cry you always turn your head why it's primal you want to protect people so stand up moms protect people while wearing anti-air lock <laughs> but this is very serious what you're saying because this is kind of shocking that it's like in less than a minute they didn't give a shit. Yeah, they didn't um, give a shit. And um and they were going to hurt you. Yes. And uh, they no did. matter what. And they did. And and there are people being struck by these uh whether they're rubber bullets or whether they're the canisters um or whatever there are people bleeding in the street and um and you would think not in this country, right? Right. Um, right. You're, like you had never experienced something like that before. No, never. Um, but you, that's what you see in other countries, you know? Yes. That's what you see on the news. Yes. If you're, when if you're, in, you're in war, when you're at war, when you're at war or, or you're being oppressed, you or know, that, by yeah. the yeah. dictator of, of Brazil or the Philippines or Ugh. whatever, you know, you expect that there or, I mean, I've, I've had rubber bullets fired at me, but they were by Israeli soldiers. So if you're Palestinian, you know, that smell of the tear gas and you know, the rubber bullets and you know, just how much danger that you have to live with probably every yeah. day, but, but not here, not here. Yeah. Right. No. And, and I would think people listening to this right now, she mentioned, like, think about this. If you're in New York or LA, I say, think about this. If you're in Topeka. You know, think about, think about mm -hmm. this if, if you're in Racine, Wisconsin, because um, they intend, you, I, I, how do I say this? He has no intention of leaving 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No, he doesn't. And you're, you're onto something. You're right. I smell yeah, it too. Yeah. And, and um, as long as this amazes me too, that because there's so many good people who serve uh, our country in their enforces. Um, you know, I'm sure there are, there are good people that, um, uh, you know, work for border and customs and all these other, but, but for crying out loud, what is the plan here? Because, you know, they have a plan. I don't think this is random. I don't think starting in Portland is random. I, I, I think that, that, um, if he can't figure out a way to postpone the election, if he can't figure out a way to use COVID-19 as an excuse, um, 
you know, you can only suppress the vote so much by shutting down so many polling places. Right. Really hard on people to vote. In the end, violence does scare people. And, um, and I guess that is, now that I think about it, putting myself in his shoes, putting, my, putting myself in his hair, um, <laughs> I think, actually, I would fire on the moms first. I would do that because that sends the message to Topeka and to Boise and to Tucson um, that this is what we will do to you if you fuck with us. If you get in the way of the plan, I don't, we don't care. You can wear all the Ann Taylor loft you want, but uh, we're going to stop you. And, and, and it will not happen in these other cities. There will be no protests. There will be no, you know, people will just accept that's their hope because Fuck that. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, it's okay. We're not, we're not on, uh, we're not on uh, live TV. Or whatever. I'm sorry. We're, I'm sorry. On, you're on a podcast called rumble. So okay. uh, don't, don't, don't apologize. Um, but I just, I don't know. Do you think I'm off here? I mean, it's just. No, I, you're onto something. Do you want to know why? Because today the feds assembled a brand new sturdy as fuck fence uh, bordered with concrete supports. And they also removed our beautiful, it's like this ornate uh, fencing that we use for our parks. They removed them completely and they're putting down piping. I don't know what they're getting ready for tonight, but I'm assuming... There, wow. there is a rumor in Portland right now circulating the internet. If you hop on right now to Portland protest, they, there is a rumor that they are going to use live ammunition tonight, that this is the night that they're done dealing with the moms. They don't like the PR and they're going to use live rounds. Here's the thing. I, I sat with it as soon as I got the news and I, I, I told my moms, hey, let's just have a sleepover. Let's just protect the kids. Let's bring some pillows and some pizza. We won't chant. We won't do anything. We'll just, we'll just sleep. We'll just, we'll lay there. There'll be, there'll be no reason for, for anyone to be able to spin it because we'll just be laying there. And then, um, I thought about it more and more. And I thought, how, how convenient would it be for Donald Trump to say, because of Bev Barnum, that librarian is dead. That doctor is dead. That grandmother is dead. So I'm not calling my moms out tonight. If moms do want to join, if, if they decide we're still coming, I'm going to hold them at the Salmon Street Fountain in Portland and we'll do a sit in there. We'll let the feds come to us without mm -hmm. their fencing, without their concrete blocks and without whatever the hell they're building where the, the beautiful ornate fence used to be in our parks. I feel like that's the next call for Portland. Don't go to them. Let them come to us. Wow. It's not over, Michael Moore. They think they have strategy. I'm a mom of an autistic kid. He's 15 now. I have been a warrior for autism for about 14 years now. And if anything I know about human behavior is that it's broken down into three things. An antecedent, the actual behavior, and the consequence. So I've been watching them. I feel almost certainly that tonight is the night that they're going to say Bev Barnum is not a martyr. She's a murderer. She called them here. She told them to stand with us. And now these moms are dead. So I'm not going to play into that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm too smart for that. If moms want to come, we go to the fountain and we sit in. 
and they come to us. Well, you have to outsmart them. Duh. Right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, and I'm betting on, I'm counting on that you and your group and other people in Portland are smarter than these idiots in their rental car minivans. Um, I've got to believe that. I've got to believe. But you see, because but part, I have to say this, and maybe you already know this, part of their stupidity is that they will use live ammunition. I'm, I'm very well aware. They will kill somebody or somebody's. I'm and very well aware. And then what? Then what do we do? Then we go to Washington and we pull Donald Trump out of that house. Yeah. That's what we do. If yeah. anyone dies, if anyone yeah. dies, if a mom yeah. dies, yeah, we go to Washington. All yeah. of us. We hop yeah. on planes. Right. And we revolt. You know, we're, I like to joke that suburban moms, like we're really into Starbucks and Target. And we, you know, for the most part, we, we like our sleepy lives. We do. You know, it's chill. But once you fuck with us, once you poke the bear, the mama bear, it's over. And they poked the mama bears. They did. They fucked with the wrong city. They really did. I just got a chill listening to that. Uh, Sorry. No, no, no. It's a good chill. I mean, it's, uh, it's, um, they should have figured this out by now. I mean, I, uh, this happened in the 2018 election. I mean, I saw it in Michigan. The two, suburbs, the two suburban areas of Detroit that were representative, represented by white male Republicans in the U.S. Congress, both of those men were thrown out by suburban women and they elected, <laughs> they elected two suburban <laughs> women and sent them to Congress to represent suburban, white suburban Detroit as Democrats. And I thought, wow, that I've lived for this day in Michigan, because <laughs> this, this just had never happened before. And, and, and on top of that, the rest of the state in 2018 threw all the men out in, in the top four offices in Lansing, the state capital. We, we now, we have a, we have a woman governor. We have a, uh, a um, we have a, a black man who's the lieutenant governor. We have a lesbian who is the attorney general. And, and we have another, uh, a woman who is the secretary of state. So no white men are wow. running. No white men anywhere running Michigan. And wow. it's like, you know, you understand we've been running the world for about 10,000 years, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah. understand that we've been mm -hmm. in charge. And this looks really bad that on our watch that the women and the people of color are taking over. And it just, in the history books, they're going to ask, what was wrong with the white men of that generation <laughs> at the end of the 20th century, beginning of the 21st century? They let the, they let the women and the black people take over. How did that happen? It's it. You know, this is what is grinding inside of Trump's head and his right. supporters. That they they instead of you know they know the same stats we know that by the time we're in the twenty forties, white men are the minority, and right. they're already feeling it. And so it's that that howl of the dying dinosaur, uh, and and they don't know what to do with it. Instead of embracing it, you know, instead of right saying. Actually, why not let women take over? We've been running the show. We're tired. You know, <laughs> let's just go to our lazy boy and watch Sports Center. You know, let's we don't want to we don't want to do the heavy lifting. Women want to do it, let them do it. You know, no, that isn't how guys are thinking. They're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm losing, I'm losing control. And the and you showing up in the street like that, you and the 70 of you in that first, 
that's just that is so discombobulating to the white male mind. You understand that, right? You do understand. Uh, I you do. Understand I'm us. married to a white male that grew okay. up in a, a very affluent suburb of Portland. I think the most affluent suburb of Portland. And when I pitched this idea, I I, I think his balls dropped. He was <laughs> like, "Who?" <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, he did not want you to do this, right? No. Are you kidding? Yeah, but you know it. So how's he? How, how's I, I he handling? How's he handling? How's he handling the last week? He he hasn't gone to work because I need him to be my publicist now. So there's that, and he does my laundry and he cooks my meals. So it's you know the role reversal feels really good. I feel so powerful, empowered. Um, yeah, I like it. I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I'm I'm brown, right? I'm Mexican, and here's my my white man doing my laundry and doing my bed. It's great. I'm into it. It's a kink, I think. We should talk about that. <laughs> I think. Okay. If seriously, if any of the white guys I grew up with in Michigan, I'm talking about, you know, the ones you saw on TV last month with the mm -hmm. guns, the guns going inside the state capitol. Those, mm -hmm. those guys, I know, I know all those guys. They, mm. they, this is their worst nightmare. What you just described their worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that we would end up having to work for you and do your and do your laundry. <laughs> First of all, can I just say, why would you ever let us do your laundry? Because, you know, secretly, we do not like separating the <laughs> the light-colored clothes from the darker-colored clothes. You know, we don't. Why would you let us ruin your clothes? That's just my Oh, my gosh. Well, if he wants me to spend more money, he will ruin my clothes. If he oh, doesn't okay. want me to so spend that's, more money. <laughs> there you go. That's the perfect threat right there. <laughs> it's control. So, all right. Uh, so this, okay, this goes in this pile, this goes in that pile. I don't want to spend any more money. Hey, um, if you, if you don't mind just uh, hanging on a second before we go any further, I want to give a, a shout out uh, to one of our underwriters who support me, support this uh, podcast. Uh, they're called ExpressVPN. Uh, you've heard me talk about them uh, before. If you've ever searched for something online and, you know, maybe you didn't want anybody to know what you were searching for. Hello, NSA, right? This is like your privacy. And yet, boom, folks, I think we all know what happens here. Once you go on to something, they grab your information and they sell it. And this is why I am happy to have ExpressVPN as an underwriter of the show, because I support their attitudes toward uh, privacy and to help you and me, when we go online, have that privacy. And now, <laughs> probably some of you are thinking, hey, Mike, what are you talking about? You know, I, I use the incognito mode. <laughs> To hide my online activity, the government, nobody will ever know. No corporation will ever know. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm here to tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times uh, you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider, your ISP, right? They can still see every single website that you've ever visited. That's why even when you're at home, you shouldn't go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is easy to use and it runs seamlessly in the background. You don't even know it's there. It doesn't, it doesn't affect anything you're doing. And it's available on all your devices, whether you're using your phone, your computer, uh, your smart TV, two tin cans and a string. No, okay, I don't think, no, okay, sorry. I've just been told it does not work with that. But you can maintain your privacy no matter how you're going online if you use ExpressVPN. So, and so I'm suggesting that uh, you give it a shot here. You go to exp expressvpn.com slash rumble. 
And if you get a one-year package with them, uh, they'll give you an extra three months because you're a listener of this podcast, a podcast that they support. So go to Express, that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, VPN, expressvpn.com slash rumble to learn more. And again, thank you. Personally, I thank ExpressVPN for being one of the underwriters that have decided that this podcast must be heard by as many millions of people as possible. All kidding, all kidding aside here, though, seriously. Okay. Um, because by the time people are listening to this, it could be that somebody is seriously hurt. Right. And, right. Um, right. and I, I guess I just personally want you to know that as someone who is 3000 miles away from you and I can't be there, I, um, I am so grateful for the risk that you and the others are taking both the moms and also the amazing young people. Yes. Um, that, and are, and you're all doing it during a pandemic. This would have been the last time you'd ever want to organize <laughs> any political movement. You got that right. Right. We're yeah. It's we're holding the line. That's what we're doing. It's we're so holding true. the line. I just saw this documentary on, you know, we're coming up here next month to the 100th anniversary of women uh, uh, fighting for demanding and gaining the right to, uh, to vote. And, and the last two years of that, the last really the, the last two and a half years of that took place during the great uh, flu epidemic of 1918, 1919. And it actually went into early 1920. That right. fight, that fight took place again during another time where you were not supposed to leave the house. You were not supposed to gather and you had to, <clears throat> they didn't know as much science wise as we do now, but mm-hmm. that, that, that once again, that we would find ourselves in a medical emergency led by women and young people, um, young people who's, who were sacrificed during world war one for something nobody can still explain what that was for. And women who resisted it and resisted the president because uh, they didn't want to lose their sons in a stupid war, um, that this would be repeating at the same exact moment almost here, a hundred years later. And, and, and I feel that, again, this, I think we're going to win this. I think we are going to remove him. I think, you know, and I don't want to get, I'm the last person to do the end zone dance on the two yard line, yeah. uh, you know, but I, but and and I didn't believe any of the bullshit back in 16 that we were going to just grease our way right into the White House there with, with uh, every, everybody was going to come out for Hillary because nobody was going to vote for that idiot. And right. I tried to warn people that I'm sorry, that's you're looking at it the wrong way. And, uh, right. you know, it's. <sighs> we learned a lesson. We learned a lesson. Yeah, Biden might not be our first choice given ordinary circumstances, but these aren't ordinary circumstances. We have a raving lunatic in the white house. Oh, absolutely. And I got to say, I got to say for Biden, um, every day or two, he seems to understand that he needs the way you win is not trying to convince Republicans to vote for you. If they're still a Republican and still for Trump after four years, they are lost. I'm sorry to say this. Yes. Lost souls. Yes, they are. And, and hopefully some of them will come back someday. But for now, we need to focus on the people that we can get who will get out and vote if they feel a reason 
to, and it can't just be a negative thing. It can't just be because we hate Trump. It's got right. to be because because the new president will do X, Y, or Z, and um, and I and and so every other day he says a new little thing, where he starts to tack, tack left, tack progressive, tack, you know that that he's he's giving up on some of the in the way that a lot of people I think during this pandemic have said no I don't want to go back to the old way, we need to think this out differently, you know. I don't know. Maybe am I too optimistic here, or is this? Is no, you're it, onto something. You are. You're onto something. Because my I, guess, I'm glad. My, yeah, my guess is is that when he saw the same footage that the rest of us saw of the seventy uh, of you moms in the street, he probably thought that was a good idea. He probably <laughs> thought that was a really good idea. And you know what? He'll think will be a bad idea if they hurt any more of you. That is not going to go over well. You know, there, I read this thing, uh, I forgot, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't quote it correctly to people. Martin Luther King was, was very aware, as was Gandhi, that yes, we are nonviolent people, but we realize that we will only bring about change when we force the enemy to show their true face, to show how much they believe in violence and that they were, and that they were willing to risk their lives. Um, so that because once the American people saw the fire hoses unleashed, the dogs unleashed on the protesters, on nonviolent protesters, beaten, John Lewis beaten, mm-hmm. um, that the, the American people, and I was a kid then, I so I I have a you know a memory of this. Um, the American people said, Whoa, I don't know. I wasn't really for all this civil rights stuff, but <laughs> whoa, whoa. You're right. I'm not for that. You're right. And yes, it was. That was the one. And then all across the nation, right? That's, that's when the real, the real change started to happen. People got out of suburbia and started marching. They marched. Yeah, they marched. That's right. And they, and you know, those of us in Michigan, we know the story of a, um, of this woman who was a, um, essentially a suburban housewife who was so appalled at what she saw she told her husband that she needed to get in the car and drive down uh, to the march from Selma. Um, wow. To Montgomery. Oh. And, and she came down, got down there, offered to, because she had a car, she offered like, to drive people back and forth or whatever. And um, she was driving one of the protesters who happened to be an African-American male. And some Klansmen saw this dri- pa- passing and they uh, rammed her off the road. Oh and God. and they killed her. Uh. Um, and um, I think he somehow survived the shooting, but she died. And she'd never really done anything political. Had never um, just just again suburban Detroit uh, housewife. And um, uh, Viola Luizzo is her name. And um, and died. That was and it was during that week after Bloody Sunday. It was during the march from Selma to Montgomery. And you never hear this story. Just like I hadn't heard about what happened to you guys just a couple nights ago. I, I saw the Saturday thing, but I didn't know that that kind of violence was perpetrated on you. And sadly, I think, you know, um, they're so stupid. They don't know that if they keep this up, if they hurt you again, um, they're going to lose a lot of, they, they may not get, they may not be people that are going to just turn around and vote for Joe Biden, but they may just sit it out. 
and say, okay, I'm, I thought I supported Trump, but this is a bridge too far for me. You know, I you hope don't, you're right. You don't, we, first of all, weren't we raised to treat women as in a certain way? I guess, I mean, I say that knowing exactly how many men don't treat women that way, just in daily, daily life. Right. Uh, right. This kind of the violence and the abuse and the, and, and the kind of, and if it's not violent abuse, it's the, it's the, it's the emotional and uh, verbal abuse when you live with a man who is like that. Um, and it's not that women should be like all, all people should be treated, treated well, but haven't we as human beings, at least through some of our history had the sense that, okay, maybe we aren't going to let them vote. We're not going to do this, but <laughs> they, they do carry our children and bring them into this world, you know, yeah. and they, they do, they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that a little respect might be in order just a little yeah just a little though can i touch on something really quick yes please please the portland police bureau isn't doing themselves any favor no favors at all what's up they're standing they're standing with the feds i need you i need you to say this out loud to anyone that'll hear you they're they're helping the feds shoot us wow yeah they are protecting the feds the way it looks on tv is that they've just kind of disappeared into the background. No. No, no. right? They do a very good job of pretending. Wow. But they're there. Yeah. They show up in the blue and are the scary, scary ones, the soldiers. They're, they're dressed as soldiers. Like they look like they're in Iraq. But, but our PPB, they're dressed in blue. So play really, pay very close attention to the pictures. Look closely. They're there. I, I, I've seen it four nights in a row with my own eyes. And another thing I want to touch on is that the first, no, the second night that we were there where we were holding the line on the fence, like actually putting our bodies on the fence to keep the feds in there. We noticed when they opened those doors that they would shoot out those flashbangs yeah. and then they would go down and lay down. They left the doors open so we could see. They would just lay down and then they would come shoot again and lay down. Wow. I, I need what you, do you to, what do you, what do you mean by lay down? I mean, lay down on the floor. I mean, just, I mean, they just go back in the federal building there. Yes. Yes. Cause they leave the doors open and then just yes. kind of hang out. Yeah. They just hang out They're They're so afraid for their lives that they're just laying down. Yeah. And then they'll get back up and come out the door and fire some more grenades. And yeah. They'll just fire whatever they need to and then go back in and lay down. Yeah, it's unreal. And I'm not the only mom that saw it. And if you want to talk to the other mom, she, I remember her, her reaction. She was like, wait a second. The whole story here is that they're afraid that they're protecting something. It, the line has got to stop. We, we just have to tell the truth. Whatever, whatever truth we see, we need to, we need to voice it. And what about the bored. local, what about the local politicians? Where are they? Where's oh, the fear? God. Where, so why I, aren't they? Yeah. It looks like in the news, Ted Wheeler had announced that he would be with us tonight, but um, news surfaced a little after that announcement that live munitions would be used on protesters. I haven't looked at Ted Wheeler's latest announcement. He, I think it was just about an hour ago. Um, I, I'll, I'll learn if, if he's going to 
protests or not. Um, but what I'm trying to say is Ted Wheeler, I don't want to, I don't want to say he's spineless and I don't want to say he's weak, but I want, I want to say that because he is so wealthy, he has no skin in the game. He doesn't need that job. Mm. He, that man, that man is part of like the founding family of Oregon. Like his ancestors are those racist people that said no Mexicans allowed to buy a house, no black people allowed to buy a house, no Asians allowed to buy a house, unless of course you are the slave of the owner of the land. Ted Wheeler has zero skin in the game. So we we as we as regular hardworking folk need to stop electing these rich, whiny, weak individuals, individuals that don't know what it's like to have to eat top ramen so that they can pay their phone bill. He doesn't know what it's like to suffer. He doesn't. So why would he have any empathy? Why? They're trying to portray him in the news. Like he's kind of sort of on your side. If he was on our side, he would have been with us that very second night when he saw when he saw the images of Saturday night, he would have been enraged and he would have been with us there on Sunday night. He's the boss he of the here. police. He's the boss. He, he lives am- here. Yes, he lives there. Right. Come right. on. Yeah. And he is the boss of the police. He could say, hey, it's time to protect and serve your citizens, protect them from the feds. But no. So I, he's weak. He doesn't care, or maybe he's playing a game. It's it's totally possible that he's telling the feds and the police department, it's cool, you know, I'll I'll pretend that I actually give a shit and you guys just keep shooting people. He's he's just as rich as Donnie. Those two have no empathy, no capacity for empathy. And this is proof of that. Because if they did have any empathy after Saturday's vehicle uh, videos. Yeah, they would have pulled back. They would have said, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Regroup an olive branch, something because the moms are pissed and now they're hurt. But that's, that's not what happened. Correct. Uh, No, that is not what happened. And I've wondered this, like, like he seems to talk a good line, but where's the action uh, to, to, and to, and to allow his police to be part of this. Um. And this, this whole thing of this, the police union's headquarters was, they claimed was firebombed uh, by, by protesters. The, this headquarters is like miles away from where the protests are. Yes. And I got to tell you, not, you know, I've been to Portland a number of times, so I, I get the vibe there. And, and, the, and I have no proof of what I'm saying here, but I got to tell you, I've lived long enough and seen enough crap to know that they better prove that somebody did that because it was such a, if you look at it, it was such a teeny little, like, like fire, <laughs> like a, like a stove fire. Like you, yes. Like you yes. left, you left the ramen on too long. And, um, and, and it was out in a matter of seconds, you know, they put it out like right away. Yep. Oh, but then, then what did they do? Then they blamed, what did they, they do? blame the protesters? Yes. Oh, and then they kick some ass. Have you seen that video? Yeah. No, no, oh. I know. Jeez. What, tell, oh, me no. About the, tell me about this they, one. They're, they acted like linebackers, all of them. It's, it's, 
I can't even describe it. It's just a wave of linebackers tackling protesters and dragging them, dragging them to, to jail. Yeah, it's the, I want to say that the main, the mainstream media was, um, what's the word was, was blind to what was actually happening because they weren't. Yes. Thank you. But it's, it's over now. Our cameras are rolling. The cameras are rolling. That's right. People are out. No, I mean, the people's cameras are rolling. The mom's cameras, cameras, (laughs) these, this 17 year old I talked to who goes to Northwest film center. They they have a little film school there in Portland. Yes. Uh, They've got a whole band of film filmmakers, young filmmakers out there uh, documenting everything. Um, It's, it's uh, no, I, but, but you understand. And the reason I've asked you to be on this episode is the rest of us out here. uh, And I'm sorry to put this pressure on you, but you've already put it on yourselves. We need you to win. We need, we need you to face them down and, and send them packing. Um, you can't, if they get away with this in Portland, we, the rest of us are, are screwed. And, um, I'm sorry that's on all of you, but also from my experience, there's no better place to have people standing up for our country and standing up for this democracy than in Portland, friggin' Oregon. Thank you for saying that. Thank you so much. It's the truth. I've, I've actually, you know, I get asked every now and then, Hey, if you didn't live in Michigan or, or in in New York, uh, where I work a lot, obviously. So Mm -hmm. where, where would you live? I get this. Where would you live? Um, and God, can you believe I used to say Minneapolis? Oh, <laughs> people I, uh, change. People change. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder now, just because the but the second place I would always say is Portland, and they go not Seattle. No, Portland. I love Seattle too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying Portland is is just uh, and it's not that it doesn't have its problems, like the police or the white supremacists or mm-hmm. the. There's just a lot of crap with Portland too, but it's it's. Um, it's, I don't know. There's just something. What is it? Can you explain it? You're not from there originally. So what you chose to live in, in Portland. We why? chose to live here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, why though? What is it for about us? For us, the reason we moved here is because again, my son is autistic and Hawaii schools were not strong. That's just the truth. He needed a place where he could have uh, work training where he he could go to a gym and it would be inclusive and they wouldn't make fun of him. Um, And we decided that California was just a little too, too much for us, just, you know, a little too busy and Portland's people would accept him. And we were not wrong. He is at the most incredible school. It's built just for autistic kids. Um, And I know that some people are like, Oh, that's a really bad idea. They don't get to hang out with neurotypicals, but let's be clear. The teachers, the, the work release, the, the programs that they do, the volunteer work that they do, their art studies. <laughs> these, these kids are getting a, a well-rounded education in, within a community that, that cares about them as human beings, that doesn't see them as others. And that's one, one amazing um, just portion of, of Portland. It's people, people here can be different. You, here, you can have you can have no hair, pink hair. You can have anything. You're, you're lucky here. 
You know, you can be who you are. You can be fat. You can be skinny. You can be tall. You can be, you can be tan like me. And, and you're okay. And, and I know that we have white supremacy, but I want to make it really clear that those are outliers. You know, those are people that want to live in the land and in the mountains. In the city, in Portland, no, it's, it's people fond of inclusivity. Um, yeah. <laughs> people fond of human rights. Come on. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what no, this place I, is about. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've seen it and I've um, experienced it uh, firsthand. And it's why I've had some hope here in these last, the last week or two with what's been going on in Portland. I thought, wow, Trump has made a huge mistake to yes. go, go after Portland, go after Detroit, Trump, go after, go after a city that's been beaten down, so beaten down now for decades that people just are, they have to really struggle to rise up because they, they have, they have been, um, you know what I'm saying? They've just yeah. been and beaten down, beaten there's down to the point where there's the sense of hope is nobody even uses that word anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and the level of despair is so deep. Um, but that's not Portland. No, there's not a deep level of despair in Portland. We're hopeful. There is. Yeah. And it's not pie in the sky. Hope it's not. People try to sometimes paint Portland nah. as a, as the hate Ashbury of the, First century, but it's not quite. That's not quite. Not, no, no offense to Hate Ashbury, uh, but there, it's a different. It's a different thing, and uh, um, and it's a good thing. And I hope that that Trump uh, has met his Waterloo by declaring war. And that's what this is. He's declared war on the people of Portland and anybody who thinks they live in a Portland, or anybody who thinks that they are a Portlander. Hmm. You are the enemy. And, and, and that they doubled down and added two more cities to Portland. Now they're going to add two more after this. They want to go into Baltimore so bad. Don't they? You know? oh. We're not going to let them. You're no. right. We have to win this. We, we have, have to. to win this. And everybody listening to this, no matter where you are, I think you know by now, you can't say, well, it's not coming to my town. It will come to your town in some form. May not, maybe not the one you're seeing in Portland, but it will come. And as long as Avis and Hertz and budget have renovans unmarked <laughs> with dark windows and they can throw people in, they think they're going to get away with this. They're such fucking idiots. And um, I'm so proud of you, Bev, and all the moms there uh, who are going out there again tonight. Jeez, ah, you've got the right idea about tonight. Don't, don't play into their hands. Um, stay alive. Um, they're they're not going to get away with this, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry that you all have to be the ones to go through it first, but this is how history will will recall and record um, what happened when the moment when the, when the screw turned, and it turned against the authoritarian mega narcissist, and um, and in a few months he was out. He had to be pulled out. He had to be hauled out of there. By people in those same uniforms, <laughs> but but uh, but he has no intention of leaving. So no, he does. Right. Maybe, maybe he can find a nice place out in Oregon somewhere <laughs> in the woods. It's not good for his tan. I'm, I'm just saying it's no Mar-a-Lago, and there are no Epstein's out here. I don't think so. Oh my God! 
on that note, um, thank you very much, uh, Bev, for uh, being on Rumble here and for doing what you do. Please stay safe and uh, and stay in touch with us here with what you're doing. Um, it's it's um, you're you are heroes of our democracy. What's left of it? So thank you very much for that. Thanks, Michael. Okay, Bev, take care and uh, be safe. Bye. Well, so that was uh, that was Bev Barnum from Portland, Oregon. Uh, first time, first time, never, never involved before this first time political activist. And before, just before we went on with her, we caught the tail end of, uh, she was having a little birthday party for her 13 year old uh, daughter. And it was very sweet. And they were singing happy birthday and everything. And then she just came right on. And I felt, I said, is this okay to do this? I I feel, I don't want to interrupt. She says, no, no, no. This is exactly what she needs to see her mother doing. And, and uh, it's very cool. You get this, Mauer. This is the end of part two. We're going to go to part three tomorrow of this series from Portland. Uh, we cannot let this rest. We all need to be paying attention to this. We're, we all need to be involved, and we all need to know this is coming to our town, to our city. Some version of, of Trump's had this plan, my friends, for a very long time. He's probably had it since the very beginning. Because he knew eventually, because he knew, he knew the American people did not want him for president. (laughs) He lost the popular vote, no matter any way he tried to slice it. There was no way. He knew the American, he was serving not at the will of the American people. And so because he knew that the American people didn't want him on such a profound level. We always talk about the three million vote difference between, you know, Hillary had three million more popular votes. There were approximately another seven million so it's not just a 3 million vote difference between him and Hillary, where Hillary got 3 million more votes. There were another 7 million who voted for third parties. So that's really a total of 10 million Americans that went into the voting booth that day and said, last thing I want in my life is somebody named Donald J. Trump. He lost miserably. And he knows it. I'm sure he's been making this plan of how he was going to secure and stay in power. I'm sure he had this plan going all during the impeachment, thinking, "Why, well, if these Republicans in the Senate desert me, uh, they'll they'll see how powerful I am." We're witnessing the beginnings of this, the dry run of it right now. They're testing the waters. They're testing them in Portland. Very smart. Start in the least likely place that you're going to succeed in in st- stuffing it down people's throats. Portland, Oregon. It'd be one of those places where you'd have to say, this is not going to work. Very smart to start there. Because if it does work in Portland, it will work where you live and where I live. That's why we're going to continue this tomorrow with part three of Donald Trump's police state on the emergency podcast system here on Rumble with Michael Moore. Uh, So I want you uh, to please share this with your friends and family, this episode today, yesterday's episode, and tomorrow's uh, episode. I can't stress to you enough how important I think it is that we not be silent right now during this. He's watching us. They're watching us. They're watching to see just how much we'll take. And I think they think we'll take a lot because in the past we have taken a lot. This is why this has to be different. Absolutely has to be different. So I want you to tune in um, again tomorrow. Uh, We're going to have on another voice, another person uh, from Portland. Um, Her name is uh, Teresa Rayford. She is one of the original people with Black Lives Matter in Portland uh, years and years ago. 
long before Trump, when Black Lives weren't mattering then either. And um, she started a group in Portland called Don't Shoot Portland and has been a very outspoken citizen. And um, we thought an important person to have on as we bring you the voices from the streets of Portland uh, here in this um, uh, this series on Rumble. So come back and listen to us tomorrow. And let me just, one more reminder, uh, we have set up the Legal Defense Fund for American Dissidents, the Rumble Legal Defense Fund for American Dissidents. And this is money to go specifically to helping uh, those who are being arrested, uh, those who uh, either they don't have bail money, they don't have a lawyer, or they get a public defender. And, you know, but there's all these other costs involved. There's all, there's the research, the gathering of evidence, uh, maybe hiring an investigator, doing the things that, you know, rich people get uh, if they have to go to court. So this is a, be a small token to help people around the country who are being arrested because they're taking down statues, uh, because they're out there in the streets, because they've said enough. And I want to stand by anybody who's willing to take that risk. And that's what this legal defense fund is for. And I'm asking you to please join with me in contributing whatever you can. There's a link right here on the podcast page for Rumble. Um, and you just hit the link and give what you can. It's very simple. It'll take you, you know, 30 seconds. It's a GoFundMe page. Um, 100%, 100% of all the monies in there will go to various individuals or groups that we deem uh, to be appropriate in terms of receiving this money and the good that they will do with it to help those um, who are under assault. And uh, and we'll post the results of this, complete transparency. Um, you'll see the good you've done by joining with me and being part of, of my fund. And, uh, and plus, um, it'll just be cool to have you so I'm not so alone sometimes doing this stuff. If you can just join in with me, we'll beat the bastards, okay? So do that. Uh, share this podcast with your friends and family. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. It's free. If you're not on my Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, go and be part of that because I do a lot of follow-up and a lot of other things on on my Facebook uh, site and my Instagram site. Uh, my Instagram handle is Michael F. Moore. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is uh, M.M. Flint, M.M. meaning me, and you know what Flint is. And if you want to be a, a, one of my Facebook friends, uh, just go on there. It's uh, just You can search for me. Just put my name in there. Uh, there's a lot of Michael Morris, so look. I, I don't know. If look for the blue check. You'll know it's me. Facebook.com slash mmflint. So just like with Twitter, mm. That's me, Michael Moore. Flint. Facebook.com slash mmflint, and and sign up. Be part of my Facebook, and you'll you'll we'll be able to communicate in between the podcasts. I want to thank our executive producer uh, for Rumble, Basil Hamden, our editor and sound engineer Nick Quaz. And uh, everybody else who has been supportive, our underwriters, everybody else out there, all of you listening, we passed the 13 million download, 13 million plays mark here this week. Uh, it just keeps rolling on. So grateful. Uh, be well, be safe, stay alive. And we'll be back at you tomorrow with part three of Donald Trump's police state here on the emergency podcast system of Rumble with Michael Moore. I'm Michael Moore. Talk to you then.